Conquer Life's Mountains with Mitsubishi, powering Ian Collins once a word. Hang on, so this is an Easter episode. Shouldn't we have like a chicken or something? Or some kind of poultry? <laughs> Ian Collins wants a word. You see, that's the really funny thing. We've actually made it to Easter. That in itself is a bit of a mystery. But nonetheless, with a pocket load of egg-shaped chocolate and some religious buns, we endeavoured to bring you something that rather shockingly goes under the name of the Ian Collins Once a Word Easter Special! Yeah, but hang on, don't set the bar too high on this one. However, this elongated gig of Easter joy will include some of this. Andre, kill the shoebox music! And we wouldn't be too optimistic to hope for some of this... And we'd be beaten to a pulp by crazed nuns if we didn't include some of this. Can you tell me if you think that Ed Miliband will ever land on the moon? And here he is, everybody. He's the world's most unfathomable executive producer. God knows where he got that title from. It is Sideshow Kev. Now, when you say title, do you mean the executive producer part or the unfathomable part? I've no idea. No, Sideshow. That's a bit I mean. (laughs) No, I I think that's self-explanatory. Okay. What have you got, Kev? Uh, Questions and feedback and stuff via social media. From Anton in Grimsby, do you think Paddy McGuinness is fast becoming the Stephen Hawking of Saturday Night TV? Well, I can't understand either of them, to be honest. I don't mean that in a bad way, by the way. I'm kind of dead. You know those talking machines that... Stephen Hawking's got. Oh, yeah. My brain frequency tunes out of that frequency. Of really? It's the same with computer software. I just don't hear it. Did you ever have a speak and spell as a child? Yeah, it's a no good for me at all. That's why huh. I can't spell for love and money. And Paddy McGuinness is a northerner, so I can't understand him. Ah, either, so well. There you go. From George Gravy Train. Oh, shut You like cars, yeah. do you? <laughs> What's the worst car you've ever driven? I once got sold a car... Saw it in the paper, me and some mates, it's a Triumph Spitfire. And we thought, wow, because that would have made it a classic car, you know, the little sporty thing. So Triumph Spitfire oh, yeah. were kind of people who like the idea of owning a sports car but could never really afford a sports car. And this was obviously not the first time around. This was when they were seen as being sort of classic models of pieces. Um, someone advertised, went round there, the guy said, uh, yeah, it's sort of all right. He said, um, and I said, but you need to get a, an MOT on it, then I'll buy it. And he mm-hmm. went, yeah, it's no problem at all. He said, come back tomorrow. So I thought, well, that's quite quick of him. So we went back the next day, and he showed us, the, he gave us the MOT certificate. I gave him the money. We took the car home. And it became apparent very, very quickly the car needed lots of work to it. But yeah. then what became really apparent was the MOT certificate was done in somewhere like South Shields. Oh. This was in Maidstone. So this guy had taken a knackered Spitfire up to South Shields from right. Maidstone in 12 hours and bought it back just for an MOT. It was clearly a moody ticket. And the mm-hmm. strange thing, so I went back to his house and claimed my money back, some of the money back, kept the, uh, the Spitfire, uh, attempted to do it up, but it was shocking. It was, was it? a rust bucket extraordinary. It was horrible. Would have looked lovely, but, yeah, they rusted like bastards. From Marcus in Aberdeen, via Twitter, is it wrong to have slight feelings for my auntie? Depends what she looks like, doesn't it? There is. What's the relatives you're allowed to sleep with? So grandmother, no, so, no. Uh, so you, uh, your cousins, you're allowed to marry cousins, but it's not advised, is that right? I, something like that. Something like that, anyway. I don't want to think too much about him. I'm thinking about my cousin Nicky now. <laughs> From Bob. And believe me, he's not the best looking bloke on the block. <laughs> From Bobcat Goldtooth. 
Can you get Grace Dent back on? I find her sarcastic lilt a real turn-on. Well, this is, of course, the Easter special, as you know. But it also means after this episode, we're going to have a, a, a slight week off. Yeah. So this episode runs for two weeks, if you like, and then we come back with sort of season two of Ian Collins Wants a Word, in which our first guest will be Grace Dent. That's nice. It's good, isn't it? From Tim, Ian, who put the bump in the bump-a-bump-a-bump? Isn't that the same guy who put the ram in the ram a ding dog And from uh, Jen in Norwich, are you going to discuss your recent news in the London Evening Standard? Oh, yes. This was the... Hang on. We had this somewhere. We bought it in. Got it. This was... <laughs> the funny thing is he's reading it online. <laughs> this, uh, when it was announced, I'm going to be doing uh, two shows a week on LBC. Mm-hmm. 97.3. So that'll be a Friday and a Saturday from mid-April. So this is what the London Evening Standard said. Existing RBC presenters Ian Dell, the erstwhile Tory blogger, and Duncan Barks, an ex-UKIP man, will help to fill in the gaps, as well as new recruit Ian Collins, spell I-A-I-N, you know that wrong way of spelling it? correct way of spelling it. The original. Formerly of white van man favourite talk sport radio. It says the new schedule looks very right-wing in the run-up to the mayoral elections, says a source... Dale is a failed Tory candidate from the 2005 general election. Duncan Barks was a UKIP press officer before he joined LBC. And Ian Collins was a right-wing shock jock. <laughs> Where do they get that from? I've never been called that ever. So who's the who's the scribe at the Evening Standard? I know, by the way, I found out who placed the story. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my money would be, initially, you would think it would be, well, could it be somebody who's not there anymore? But either way, how, that's bad. That's sloppy journalism, isn't it? Not the best. Well, I've never been called a right... I've been called right-wing lots of times. You've been called a few things. Uh, shock chock? Mainly by me. Formerly of white van man favourite talk sport radio. Well, I can take that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. That's all right. That's not bad. Right. Voice of the common man. Voice of the common man. Hero of the homo. I've been all of those things. Shock jock? Am I a shock jock? I'm not a shock jock. There we go. I'm Ian Collins. I am not a shock jock. Three people really enjoyed that. Pro-lifers rule! We've got being Easter and all that, Kev. Yeah? We've got some of this. Ooh. Ah. OK, man up, kids. Here it comes, but with a twist. Well, I say a twist. is essentially a totally different feature. But it's Easter and stuff. This is random acts of irrational satisfaction. Those small and often unnoticed by others moments in life that make you go all... Ah. Yeah, that noise. Uh, can we hear that again? Ah. Yeah, that noise. Love it. This started when I was coming out the gym the other day and I discovered that the jacket that I've owned for the last year had a pocket in it that I didn't know was there. The feeling of utter elation was immeasurable. So I mentioned this on Twitter the other day and they started flooding in. So I've got to say, Terry and others made their point on the back of me saying about the newfound pocket in the jacket. It's an obvious one, but it's a good one. A finding a tenner in a coat or That's a jacket. Nice. That's always a nice. That makes you go, uh, yeah, that noise. Yeah. Does all of that to you. Find You haven't worn the jacket since you last went to the company do. Yeah. You put it on, you stick your hand in the pocket, and lo and behold, not only have you got a card from a Mathuth, you've also found yourself a crisp tenner. Yeah. That is a random act of irrational satisfaction. Kev. That's nice, isn't it? Because it's Easter, and we're, yeah. we're being nice. We're and being we're nice. Promote nice things. Get some satisfaction going. I, I'll tell you what does satisfy me greatly, irrationally, <laughs> yes. so to speak. <laughs> you know, you open a jar of coffee for the first time and it's just got that seal. Yeah. And if you run your fingernail around the outside, 
and there's a, a slight hissing noise yeah, as there the is a hair rushes out. And it's just, Seal hiss. It's weird. It's an, I know some people like to push the spoon in, yeah, yeah. but not me. No. No. Straight in there. I've got another one as well. Oh, go on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when you see seeing people only just fail to make it when tube or train doors are closing, oh, yeah. and they run up, and you're sitting on there quite comfortable, yeah. perhaps listening to Ian Collins once a word, the podcast, and you see someone running up, you know, doing this heroic effort, yeah. and the doors slam, yeah. and they're not quite sure what to do, no. because they realise everyone else has seen them, so yeah. they sort of turn away sheepishly. I find that quite satisfying. That's right, that is quite satisfying. I've got one more. Oh, got one more, okay, go on. Very small kids, yes. when they fall over, yeah. there's a delay, I don't know if you've noticed this, a delay from when they fall and smack into the concrete, yeah. to realising they've done it before they start to cry. Right. And that time is exactly three seconds, and I just love it. You'll see this kid Hang fall on. over, and you'll go, one, two, three, yeah. ah! it's just you, tremendous. timed it. It's, yeah, you, well, yeah. I, and anybody, I think next there's... time you see a kid falling over, stand and watch, stand and gulp, and go one, two, three, then you'll hear the cry. I think you thought about that too much, Kev. Dev in Birmingham. Thinking you've run out of something, only to discover a stash of it in the cupboard. He says, I thought I'd ignore my watsits the other day, only to discover an extra packet in the cupboard. Get in there, says Dev. He's very right about that. Speaking of puffs, <laughs> do you remember, you, probably in the that. 1980s, and yeah. I know we were, you know, barely infants at that stage. Of course. Um, yeah. But do you remember you get, like, chocolate-flavoured puffy things? It were sort of they weren't crisps and they weren't quite sweets, and they were just like they were yeah. awful. I don't think they were official Watsits. What the the chocolate puffs? Yeah, chalky puffs. If anybody knows what they were? Tell us. Lisa in Swansea panicking and thinking you've arrived late for something, only to get there and realise you are in fact the first to show up. Yeah. Always a nice feeling. Carl the Hammer in Southend coming out of a shop or petrol station and realise they've given you change for a tenner instead of a fiver. That's always a That's result. That's a wonderful one. It's also theft as well. I should point out for. Or a... is it just a mistake? Is it? Well, what are you, are you obliged to go back and? Well, what if you had the tenner and you gave a pound of it to charity? which they wouldn't have had if that mistake hadn't been made in order to appease your guilt. Okay. Well, Moe and Bradford is coming back home from work after a very tough day and discovering that Dave is showing back-to-back Top Gear for eight hours. In fairness, that could actually be any day of the week, Mo. Yeah. And that, in fairness, that could also be an act of irrational annoyance. <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, Jeff in Derby, rather worryingly, says, Stroking wood. Nice, isn't it? What? Depends on the wood. Lewin Dundee, the realisation of that snotty email you thought and regretted sending is in fact still sitting in your drafts box. Oh man. Yeah, that can have the opposite effect with the email you needed to send, and it's still sitting in your drafts box mm-hmm. as well. Have you done that one too? Yeah. There's a few of those. This in from Martin Adkins. This is random acts of irrational satisfaction, everybody. Pulling away from traffic lights and smoking the cyclist behind. I fing <laughs> love it. <laughs> Is that some sort of attempted murder? That's, uh, cyclists are annoying for all manner. Not all cyclists, obviously. That's you know that makes me the right wing shock jock. Apparently, right wing shock jock. Yes, not all cyclists, but there are certain acts of behaviour that quite a lot of cyclists do enjoy taking part in. And one is, it's very rare for cyclists to be even waiting at traffic lights. Mm. They tend to just say, "Sod the traffic lights, I'll just ride through them," and then take out a massive court case against the driver that hits them. Nonetheless, those that are do behave in a rather strange fashion because the odd thing about the traffic lights is the cyclist has got right of way above the driver, haven't they? Yeah. You know that green box? Yeah. For cyclists. What the hell's that about? But it does mean you can, you know, satisfaction as well. The, the YouTube uh, videos of near misses with cyclists and buses and things. There's some beauties on there. Sorry, that made me sound like some sort of... Sadist? Yeah. <laughs> the great YouTube video are the, the buses that go over those bollards that drop down for the bus... So, you know, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then pop back up <laughs> after the bus has gone through. 
Just YouTube that. There's some devastating, massive dickheadery going on with drivers. It's a beauty. Mike on Twitter from Edinburgh. Going to a gig and discovering that the support band are a band you in fact prefer to the headline act. I've had that. I've had that. Uh, Went to U2 in Paris. Support act, B.B. King. Ah. That was worth a view. I went to see... Well, I didn't. I actually went to see the support band. Um, It was a band who were supporting Travis. And I didn't like Travis much. But this band, a friend of mine, was working with them. And he said, these guys are really good. And they were. And they were raw. And they were rocky. And they were really sort of quite something. That band was Snow Patrol before they turned shit. Right. Yeah, you liked Snow Patrol. No, you don't like Snow Patrol. Well, no, but the thing was, originally, they weren't trying to be Coldplay. Only ten years ago, Coldplay were supporting Embrace. How does that work? Interesting. Do you remember Danny from Embrace? I do. Used to call the show and fax the show in the old days. That's right. Not this show, obviously. No. The old show. He probably doesn't know this one exists. I doubt it. Nula in Southampton. Uh, Seeing the smile on my little boy's face the first time he used his potty the other day. I can see that. Unless he's 17, of course. But I can see how that would work. Now, I remember... Do you remember this? You did the, um... (laughs) You were sitting in for Tommy Boyd on the (laughs) Wonderful Hour on Talk Radio. I didn't uh, believe when that came through. Mike Hansen, you know, God rest his soul, uh, was producing (laughs) you. And you were sitting there, and this woman phoned up and said... Oh, hello, Ian. I just want to say my son, for the first time, has, you know, pulled his trousers down and used him pot- his potty all by himself. Yeah. And uh, you're an oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Very impressive for a 24-year-old. <laughs> you could hear Hanson laughing behind three panes of glass. It was a beauty, wasn't it? It's now a well-worn routine, but I'd like to think we were first on the ball. Yeah, indeed. Carol says, ran back to irrational satisfaction in my garden, soaking up the sunshine in Scotland in March. Of course, because it was beautiful. Scotland had record temperatures, mm. 23, 24 degrees. Doesn't happen anywhere, does it? No. Uh, all that and a day off as well, says Carol. That makes sense, Carol. Remember, everybody, it's the Easter special. It's random acts of irrational satisfaction, things that make you do this. Uh. Yeah, that. Steve Munn says, well, my baby girl doesn't eat all of her rusk, and there is some left for me. Now, you cider, Ben. We, Did you ever go rusk munching? No, we, no. And I'm you not sure why. Done. They're full of sugar, though, aren't they? Yeah, why do we give them to babies? Um, because we don't know any better. <laughs> Here, have a bag of sugar. But but if the kid's got, if the kid is particularly young and has been sucking on a rusk, do you really want like manky rusk? Yeah, I mean it could be full of child vomit. No, it's just it'll be all gooey and yeah, wet and sloppy and ugh. So the week after next, when we're back, yeah, we'll be back to doing some random acts of irrational annoyance. Yes, which are things that make you go like this, ah! rather than this week, which was satisfaction. Things make. This. Uh, Which one do you prefer, Kev? Which feature's f- got legs? Well, this is the first one of these we've done, and I have to say I enjoyed it, but I could feel my evil side creeping out. Yeah. The other thing coming up later on this show, we're going to have a chock-off. We don't actually know what that means. We just thought of the title. The Mitsubishi ASX comes with active stability and traction control, on-demand four-wheel drive, hill start assist, and Mitsubishi's legendary reliability. For more information, search for Mitsubishi Cars. Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox. Oh, for God's sake. You'd think, being Easter, we might have dropped this charade, uh, but it's back, everybody. It is uh, Sideshow Kev's random acts of cat flattery, shoebox flattery, whatever it is. By the way, before we do that, Uh can I just say, uh, random acts of rational satisfaction 
Easter special. Uh, Andrew Castle, former British number one tennis player, now TV presenter and all-round good guy and commentator on the telly, says that his random act of irrational satisfaction, he tweeted this to us, uh, is raindrops and roses and whiskers on kittens. And also, his backhand drop shot. Oh. Which, frankly, was to die for. It was a lovely backhand drop shot. Thank you, Mr C. Anyway, showbiz shoebox. Kev, fire away with your box of shenanigans found under your fictitious bed. Actually, you know what? Go on. As it's Easter, and mm. I haven't got you an egg, yeah, we're not going to do the shoebox. We're not going to do the shoebox. No, we're not. We're not. No, in fact... No shoebox. Andre, kill the shoebox music! Oh. See? Yeah. I just thought we'd sit and have a chat. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's good. That's fast. Well, I mean, essentially, folk download the podcast for the this, really. Really? Yeah, sort of. But I do have a, a survey. A survey? Yeah, I thought we could talk about a survey. Let's talk about the survey. It's about the internet. Have you seen this? No. Let me ask you a question. What would it take for you to give up the internet? Well... <laughs> That question, isn't that question now just a load of dollops? Because you couldn't give up the internet. Because you'd be giving up life as we know it. You'd be giving up this. You'd be giving up the way that we receive music, education, vital information, governmental diktats, recreation, entertainment, communication. The list goes on. And my website. Yeah, but if you had to choose. I mean, if it was a question of, you Porn. know... Really? Well, I'd be pleased to hear that the Boston Consulting Group uh, surveyed about a thousand people in several countries, and uh, they found out, you know, what would you give up rather than giving up the internet? Okay. So um, you just have a guess, and I'll tell you whether or not you're right and what the percentages were. Right. I mean, you said porn. Mm -hmm. That's not on here, but 21% of people said they would give up sex. If they could Rather keep the internet. If they could keep the internet. Yeah. <sighs> Which is pretty that's incredible. A high, that's a high percentage of people. But as you say, there's porn on there, To isn't give up there? the jiggery-poker, yeah. yeah. But there's porn on there, so, you know, you could have a bit of a... So you could give up the sex because you could go solo. You could satisfy yourself in other ways. Yes. You Many could tickle Yoda behind the ears, is what you're saying. Do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> what about their car? 10%. Would give up their 10% car to keep the internet. 10% on average would happily give up their car. Okay. To keep the internet. What about their children? <laughs> That's a bit extreme. Some people don't like their kids. Sorry, I'm love. S- I've given young Ralphie away so I can continue to I'm so- uh, Google I s- things. I saw a documentary once about people who don't like their kids. And they just didn't like their kids. Well, yeah, I mean, there is a point that if, you're, if something chemically doesn't mix between you and little Ralphie... Uh, it doesn't work. You know, just parents who don't like their kids was the documentary. And it wasn't so. It wasn't sort of Jerry Springer. It was a proper doc about parents who think their own kid is a twat. An unrelated subject. Did you see that documentary about the people who fall in love with objects? Like uh, this woman who married the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, I saw one about the guys with the car. Did you see that? I haven't seen the car one. The no. guys who have sex with cars. Jump in my car. Yeah, really? that was extraordinary. I can imagine. And while they were filming it, I think it was a Volkswagen. Was it a Beetle or a Volkswagen Beetle? But they they were they stopped at a motel in the states. They were going across the states to some sort of. It was either a car convention or a car shaggers convention. I don't remember <laughs> which one it was. And they were going across the states, and they uh, randomly in the middle of the night, one of the cameramen looked out of his motel window and and realised that one of the subjects they were filming was actually involved in a bit of what you might say. Release action oh. over the camera crew's wheel arch. <laughs> it was extraordinary to see these guys talking about it. It's, a, it's absolute serious sexual peccadillo 
of falling in love with cars, and it's all about sort of shapes and sizes and curvatures. And I guess you can almost well, the more you think about it, you can. I'm not believe me, I'm not turning. But the more you think, <laughs> they do of, love cars. Though. Well, an Austin princess was a beauty at the time. Oh yeah. But the more you think about it, you can kind of see that when you think about the way people talk about cars, she's beautiful. The design, the curves, the lines, the slickness, the speed, the aerodynamic, all of that, and people who talk in actually very sort of sexual terms about what is essentially a uh, an inanimate object, but you take mm. more or less. It does give a whole new meaning to the phrase, I'll stick it in the boot, doesn't it? Certainly does. Back to the internet. Sport. They'd give up their sport. Uh, sport isn't on here. No. no. Well, you think recre- their recreate their hobby, their pastime. Well, exercise is on exercise, here. Yeah, yeah 40, well. 43% would happily give up exercise in favour of the internet. Well, you see, but the internet does, it lobs out quite a lot of exercise, doesn't it? It does. Or exercise potential. Plus, you can visit carshaggers.com. It's a great site, actually. What else have we got on the list, Kev? Uh, I'll tell you what, 84%. Sat-nav. They give up their sat-nav. Yeah. Now, is this something that... Do you rely on sat-nav? I, I rely on it quite heavily, because my sense of direction is useless. I think it's one of the best inventions ever. Yeah. I do a lot of cab stuff, because whenever you go off to do, uh, a, like, a TV thing or something, they send a cab. Mm. Uh, so the cab turns up, and it's the same conversation every single time. They leave your house, and they immediately turn right, even though you know the best route is left. Now, what tends to happen, I used to keep my mouth shut because I used to think, hang on, maybe the cab driver knows best. He knows something I don't know. And I've had all manner of spectacular routes, mostly based on the frankly absurd philosophy from the driver that they don't like to use a sat-nav. In fact, I've heard many of the drivers say, you know, no, no, I can't rely on that. You know, they're unreliable. They don't work is another one. Well, sometimes they don't work. The sat-nav on its own isn't an autonomous bit of kit. Mm. It requires a little bit of input from the person driving the car. Here's a question. Well, so use your head on these things. I don't know if it exists outside of London, but London cab drivers do this thing called the knowledge, where they learn the yeah. streets and so they on. They know stuff. Yeah, and they, they have to learn how it all works off yeah. by heart. and Proper drivers. Is that kind of redundant now, the sat-nav? Well, they would say no. What I never work out is, you know, you can do, you know, if you did your knowledge, I don't know, 20 years ago, then large chunks of the capital city are completely unrecognisable. Very true. So you've got entire estates and blocks of flats. How do they know where the bow quarter is if it hasn't been built? Mm. How does that work? I have no idea how that can possibly work. So 84% sat-navs. Okay. Fast food. 83% 83% of people would give up fast food. Now, that's an interesting one, because in America, yeah. for example, they live on fast food. Most she diet. She they keeps you alive. So, yeah, and they... You die without fast food in America. In the States, and you've been there. Yeah. Do Americans regard fast food as just food? Because I think they do. I don't think, oh, this is rubbish. I think they do. I don't, like to, don't think I like to generalise. No, but of course, don't forget, a lot of their fast food, when they order a takeaway, we, in this country, we might order a Chinese, a pizza possibly a kebab that's usually all you can get but they can order a takeaway that's called fast food well they'll get rice and vegetables and a whole selection of things you know everything that all those different they can get a peruvian or mm. a bolivian or a mexican or I think something. a bolivian something else so they can do all of that so I therefore i don't think they consider some of it fast food 77 percent yep. this is an easter one chocolate chocolate mm. they would give up chocolate give up chocolate in favor of the internet now, that's an easy one if you're a boy, but if you're a girl, wouldn't you just go mad that and isn't gonna run happen. down the street screaming in your knickers? Don't forget, of course, we got the chock-off later on. Ah, oh, it's going to be good. Piers Hernu's coming in with a, an armload of chocolate facts. We had to do something for Easter. We couldn't, frankly, think of anything else. But not an armload of chocolate, probably. No, that's very doubtful. Maybe an armload of beer. 
So 77% would give up chocolate. Would give up chocolate That's completely. If they could keep the internet. See, this is nice. We're having a chat. I like it. Uh, 73% alcohol. The, the thing about alcohol is, if, yep. you, if you gave up alcohol and then had the internet, I think uh, forums like Digital Spy would be a much less interesting place. Probably true. 69% said coffee. Coffee. I couldn't. That would be too tough. Yeah. But that's it. You don't drink. That's all you drink. Maximum is two coffees a day. Yeah. Because if I have three, I start to get giddy and talk shite. <laughs> really? Yeah. How many have you had today? Six. Uh, 43% said exercise. 21% sex. 10% bike. And uh, 7%, this is a good one, a shower. We give up showering. People would give up showering on in the internet. That's extraordinary. And 4% said they give up breathing, which I think is a bit short-sighted. I like it. Uh, that, everybody, is Sideshow Kev with his Easter box of trivia-based profferings. Should we do this? Voicemail roulette. Please leave a message. And after that bagatelle of tosh, we can now move on to your comments on voicemail roulette. 07891832262. This is the fastest way to get a comment onto this programme. A rant or anything you just want to tell us. Or ask us, for that matter. Kev, could you press that button, please? I'm chucking my Easter bunny at it now! Hello, Ian. It's Paul in Nottingham. Just wanted to know how many of these podcasts you're planning, and will you be back on the radio anytime soon? Uh, well, thank you for that, Paul. That's very kind. Uh, how many pods? Well, this is weekly. Actually, apart from this one, because this is the Easter special. Yeah. So this one lasts for two weeks, but we are, in fact, after that, back on Monday the 16th. So we have like a two-week Easter break, and then we're back. Uh, in terms of being back on the radio, uh, yeah, uh, LBC. 97.3. Got to say the full lot. You're very slick. I, well, I, I didn't say the full lot yet the other day. Ah. Got a note from the... Really? Yeah. Have you got the station name wrong yet? It doesn't... Uh, no, I got the, nearly got the number wrong, though. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, it's instinctive, isn't it? It Your is. mind says, this is, I'm in a radio environment, give out a number. So I'll give out the one I've been giving out for 16 years. <laughs> Strange. Well, there you go. So, yeah, back on the radio, fully 20th and 21st of April. Wonderful. Uh, but this podcast is essentially every single week. Hooray! Kev, we have another one. Here I go! Right, hey, Jimmy here in Watford. I saw you on TV the other night. You're like a right twat. Have a good day! Jim in Watford! Uh, frankly, Jim, I've got no arguments with that one, fella. Uh, let's have another one. Hi, Ian. This is Lucy calling from Darlington. I have a question for you. Can you tell me if you think that Ed Miliband will ever land on the moon? I think, yes. Uh, yeah, cheers for that, Lucy. I'm sure he could, if he could find a cat-powered rocket. I'd love to see him up there. <laughs> and his brother. OK, here's another. Ian, Kevin, hello. This is your Lord God, Jesus calling. Easter is a very busy time for me. And I'm looking forward to kicking back and listening to the podcast, but there's no Mike Panton on the podcast. Verily, you should put him in the podcast, or you will go to hell! What about that? Is that divine intervention? Have we got to comply with the word of the Lord now? In fairness, he did sound like a character from rent <laughs> I think John Coulshaw's job's safe. There it is, voicemail roulette, 07789183262. Right. We're very excited because we have chocolate detail on its way. Ian Collins wants a word. Chocolate, 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 chocolate. chocolate. 
So here's how this next bit works. We thought, well, it's Easter, and therefore that does clearly warrant some sort of special celebration pertaining to the Easter festival. We thought we could go hot cross bun bound. We could, of course, look at the mighty man himself and the biblical implications of the holiday we're in. Then we thought, sod that, let's talk chocolate. We like a bit of chocolate. Who better than to talk us through facts and figures that will astound us about the world of chocolate? He is none other than top journalist, broadcaster and star of Radio 4's Woman's Hour. <laughs> Mr Piers Hurley Piers is here. Piers <laughs> How are you, Piers? I'm really well, Ian. Thanks very See, much. Uh, we thought we knew that you would... Uh, you know stuff. You're kind of like the Jimmy Savile of a feature, really. Yep. You can, if we can't think of what to do, you can fix it for us. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, I, and, and I'm the man for chocolate. I, you know, I, I regularly buy various different types. Tell, well, tell us, first of all, your favourite type. Well, minstrels can't be beaten... But mm. Cadbury's mini eggs are very good. Min- your mini egg is good. There's no new sort of tube of things that Mark- Marks and Spencer sell, which are Smarties. large sort of buttons in in f- separately wrapped in mint. foil. No, not mint. Just chocolate. Just w- just milk okay. chocolate. And I quite like those. Bought some of those the other night. But you know, I've I've struggled for years between toffee crisp or picnic, oh. and that uh, Ca- will never be resolved. Well, no, well, I can resolve it for you now. Well, you can't. Well, I can. How picnic toffee crisp? No, your toffee crisp is a cheeky monkey of a of, of a chocolate bar. I'm, right, I'm with him. No, it's it's the toffee crisp. No, right. stop it. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> toffee crisp does not proffer right, then. a raisin. Topic. That's or a double raisin decker. in its head. Double decker. Yeah, I th- I'm with you. I like the double decker. What's the longest lasting? Cho- I can see what what that is for a fact. No arguments. The chocolate bar that seems to go on forever is a bounty. Really? I do yeah. like the coconut in a bounty. Oh, that's yeah. probably Crucial, my really. most popular one, yeah, yeah. Is, okay. is the bounty. But I, I would have said a Yorkie takes ages to eat. Yeah, Yorkie's not good, Especially though, one from the fridge. Oh. But Yorkie with the raisins in. Now, are you talking? Or Go a on. Kit Kat chunky if you eat round the way for a bit and just leave that so it's like you're just... Yeah, yeah that would take a long time. Yeah. That would take a while. It would also be a bit icky. Americans eat just under half of the total uh, world consumption of chocolate. Is that right? Yeah. I think that was our first chocolate fact. Chocolate fact from Piers there. Well, we did invite Piers in because not just to idly sit here and banter like a a pack of Herberts, but we thought, you know, it is Easter and you are a man, a fountain of knowledge, and why that knowledge shouldn't spew into the world of all things chocolate-based, we don't know. So, Piers, you've got facts for us. Yeah, the the most stunning one. with a scroll here. (laughs) The most stunning fact is that a single chocolate chip, and that is a tiny fingernail of chocolate... (laughs) Can provide enough energy for an adult human to walk 150 feet. Oh, balls. That, that is incredible. Not true. You it, that no, it is true. It means that a whole minstrel, you could probably run a marathon. Well, a whole marathon? You could definitely run a marathon. A whole marathon, you could, you could do you know, a series Several of marathons. marathons. A John Bishop kind of style. Absolutely. Or an Eddie Izzard approach. Yeah. Um, but that is extraordinary, That is it? extraordinary. Go on, far away. Um, I'd like you to know that 66,000... Cream eggs are made every hour. Wow. That's a lot, because that's quite a sickly sweet. Uh, You know, I mean... So I've got a funny feeling it's not what it used to be. You know, it's a brave man who has a cream egg, because it really is very indulgent. And too sweet, probably, for my tooth. Yes, me too. They're very, very... They're very difficult to eat elegantly as well. You cannot. You can't do it. You can, you can, however, look like a pervert while you're <laughs> yeah, you can, You always look as if you're performing a sexual act, don't you? You eat a cream egg. There's no other uh, way of saying it. Yes, and a flake, effectively. <laughs> well, in fact, I, you might do, Piers. <laughs>
Piers Hurney provides us with fact number three. Fact number three, and this is again pertaining to British chocolate. 350 million segments of Terry's Chocolate Orange are made a year. I'm not sure how many segments there are in an orange. There's probably, what, eight? No, I'd say there were probably 12. Tw- you're going 12? I think, I don't know. Yeah, 12. Six okay. in, a, in, in a half. All right. So how many a year? How many segments are made a year? Uh, 350 million segments are made. You see, this is where chocolate starts to get, frankly, a horror story territory, when they start introducing orange to it. Orange No, chocolate. no, no. I think orange isn't bad. In fact, uh, my missus is particularly keen on orange uh, stuff. And I like mint chocolate as well. Yes. I don't like... White chocolate is is no. a bit, you know, milky bar kids. It's a bit sweet, milk chocolate. Yeah. But uh, an overweening fact yes. is that $7 billion a year are spent on chocolate worldwide. Is that right? $7 billion. $7 billion. Well, it's not surprising. I mean, it's, it no. is surprising, but it's it's, you know, it's massively popular. And more than twice as many women eat chocolate than men. Oh. Out of the milk chocolate and the dark chocolate, it's men that go for dark chocolate. Women don't like dark chocolate. That's how right. Yeah. They don't like it. We like it probably because we like, you know, certainly bitterer, less sweets, things like, you know, whiskey and things like that. You know, men have a sort of strange uh, palate mm. and, and women go for the, the more child. Well, they are more childlike after all and they go for more childlike sure. flavours. Piers, give us another fact. Uh, another fact. In uh, the classic movie Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock, of yeah. course, it was chocolate syrup that was used as blood in the shower scene. No. Extraordinary. Chef, chocolate syrup? I've heard this before, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And presumably it was in black and white. Otherwise yes. it wouldn't have worked. Well, it wouldn't have worked at all, would it? So it had the, 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 the viscosity required, but not the colour. Well, good word. Thank you. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Did you know that also Psycho in that scene was the first film ever to show the inside of a toilet bowl? Really? Because that would have been taboo. It was seen as something you didn't you didn't show that kind of stuff. And did you also know that Mr. Ed wasn't a horse, but was a painted zebra? <laughs> you see, all the facts come out on this program, right. No, I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. Have you got um, one more for us, please? Uh, Belgium. Yeah. Uh, here come the Belgians. Eddie, uh, no, not Eddie Waring, Stuart Hall yes. was the... It's a knockout. It's a knockout. 17,000 people in Belgium uh, are involved in the making selling and promotion of chocolate. That is one in 200 people, one in 200 Belgians, if you like. You know, that's how big the industry is in Belgium. That's extraordinary. On that point, apropos nothing to do with chocolate, but to do with employment, biggest employer in the world? Is it not the Chinese military or something? It's actually the American defence system. Oh, the American defence system. And the British NHS is up there. It is, about number six. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's about numbers. There's another myth that the British NHS is actually b- bigger than the Indian Railway. Oh, that's system. the other mob. That's the other. Oh, that's the other. They, one, yeah, yeah but, great uh, bureaucrats. There's about six Indians to to, to write a ticket out. I, something I on know. that. So, yeah, so that's it's, a it's, huge, it's, huge industry. It's bureaucratic. Okay, well, Piers, you've told us about your favourite. Cho- you br- brilliant chocolate facts, Kevin. Oh, you're very good into chocolate. Come on, you guys. A ripple for the chocolate facts. No, please stop it. But you told us about your favourite chocolate, but what about your favourite Easter egg? Because that, again, is different. You know, you can like one chocolate, but the Easter egg can be a shocker. Yeah, um, well... I, I, still, I think chocolate buttons is still unbeatable, frankly. Well, I, I, I'd rather go for lint. Lint? What I like a fancy egg. The more you spend on an egg, the more you get out of it. And, yeah. and Jenny, uh, my missus, is going to be getting a ten-pounder uh, this Easter. And there's no question of that. I spotted in Morrison's the other day, and it glistened at me. I'm probably going to leave the price on. 
I think uh, you should. Yeah, so yeah. she knows that that's a full £10 of treatment. Fantastic. Good one. Uh, yeah. uh, Piers Hernie, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Uh, it's Piers Hernie with us. Piers Hernie! Oh, come on, you. Come no, on, please stop it. Credit stream. And that, everybody, is what they call the end of the Easter special. It also means that we take a one-week's break while we crack open some chocolate-based treats and go ape over a few hot cross buns. And if you like what you've heard tonight, make sure you go to iTunes, hit the word subscribe, and pop us a nice five-star review. If you're an Android user, download the free Stitcher app. Our thanks to you for downloading this. Thanks to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter, as can we, at Ian Collins UK. The in-show feature and sponsor music was by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech. The show's technical operator is Andre Porch. The programme edited by Manny Kendall. Our researcher was Helen Lederer. The head of Amstrad is Alan Sugar. And the catering was supplied by Abdul's Coffee Shack. There's just one tiny favour we throw in your direction, and that's to spread the word about this podcast. Failure to do so could result in a ferret up your kilt. We'll be back on Monday, April the 9th, for Season 2 of Ian Collins' Once a Word, where we welcome back the fabulous Ms. Grace Dent. Happy Easter. Goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. Big Things! Conquer Life's Mountains with the Mitsubishi ASX. Powering Ian Collins once a word. Interesting to note they celebrate Easter the same way we do, commemorating the death and resurrection of Jesus by telling our children a giant bunny rabbit... <laughs> Left chocolate eggs in the night. Now, I wonder why we're f up as a race. Anybody?